This is the center stage of Moto Podcasts. Welcome to the Moto Limited Show, presented by Street Race Solutions, live from Brisbane, Australia. Here are your hosts, Trent Marr and Nick Still. What is up? Welcome to the Moto Limited Show presented by Street Race Solutions. Nick, what's going on? On the show today, Trent, we're going to have Mr. Bradley Leonette. He's a pretty rad dude. His story is pretty unique. I'm Zambia pretty to the USA, Trent. But this Moto Limited Show is pleased to be partnered up with Street Race Solutions, Roo Systems, Ride Tribe Designs, Hyperlife Clothing, National Luna, KTR, RK Chains and Sprockets, Queensland Bike and Four Wheel Drive, MP suspension and Motul motorcycle oil strength. Yes, this this chat with Bradley will be uh, available on the Moto Limited Show Facebook and YouTube to watch and available as always on Spotify and Apple Podcast if you are an archive listener. And remember, as always, check out MotoLimitedShow.com uh, to go get some uh, links to our new partners as well as uh, the merch, the shop in there. Nick, we've got some pretty cool new merch up and available. We've got some new things coming down as well that you've been working on in the background here that will uh, be available very, very shortly. Um, so go and check that out as always motolimitedshow.com and also still a couple more weeks left Nick on our privateer takeover challenge so go and enter for that if you want to be involved with our privateer takeover um, as well so Nick Rally Leonette this was a very cool interview we're recording our start of this um, at the end of our interview with Brad and it was it was pretty cool to sit down and talk to him. Cool guy for sure. So I'm, uh, let's let these guys listen to the story. Yep. Without further ado, this is Bradley Lynette. All righty, guys. As we promised early on to the start of this, the privateer KDM rider from the US via Zambia. Brad, Leonette, how are you, mate? Good, good. How are you guys doing? Mate, we, uh, we're pumped for you to give us a little bit of time here and uh, sort of break down your career and how you, you managed to get yourself to the US. It's a pretty unique story and we're uh, pretty excited to break it down. Yep, yep. Let's go. Let's go ahead. Thank you guys for having me. <laughs> no worries at all. So, um, firstly, you're from, from South Africa, uh, moved to Zambia at a young age. Um, yeah. Sort of describe, you know, growing up in you know Zambia and South Africa and sort of how that started for you there growing up? Yeah, so I was born in Whitbank, South Africa. It's kind of out there in the middle of nowhere. Um, my dad worked on the coal mine there. Um, so when I was about three years old, we packed up and we, we all left to Zambia. Yeah. Um, my whole family and I, we just jumped in a, we jumped in a small car with our whole, with our whole family. And we went to Zambia and we all lived in a one-bedroom flat for uh about three months in the middle of chingola it's called yeah uh, well, we all, my brothers and i shared a room you know yeah what was so the reason like, for the move to to zambia like work for uh, your dad or my dad got a new job uh in zambia so zambia they call it the copper belt where i lived in kitwe yep. copper so they mined a bunch of copper there and my dad went to go as an engineering manager on the mine there yeah. So that's what got us out to Zambia at three years old. So I don't really remember living in South Africa at all. I pretty much, my first memory is Zambia. Yeah. So that's yeah. why I, I kind of rep Zambia. <laughs> <laughs> that's the go. That's the go. But yeah, so you moved there. You're in a you know one bedroom apartment. Have you got brothers, sisters? Yeah, I have three elder brothers. Um, <laughs> they're six, seven, and eight years older than me. So 
Were you the only one on the dirt bike? Were you the only one riding a dirt bike, or did you use all? Uh, no, they all uh, rode dirt bikes. So when I was old enough to ride, so I think I was three and a half, and when we got to Zambia, they I got on the P Dub and they pushed me and they said, "Go ahead, dude!" And then I got to race them my whole life. So that's kind of what made me better was trying to get to their speed first. Yeah. You know, yeah. That. Well, one of my questions was going to be, how did you get into it? So obviously, you know, your brothers are doing it. You, you being the youngest, you're looking up at them going, I want to go do what they're doing. That's, that's a pretty cool uh, idea. Yeah. yeah so uh, my, my dad really wanted to race dirt bikes, but his father didn't let him. Uh, he grew up in Kenya where my, fa- uh, my grandfather was uh, a rally car driver. He did rally like the African safari and all that stuff. So he wasn't allowed to race. So he wanted us to race really bad. Yeah, he he put my brothers on dirt bikes, put me on dirt bike, and so he was the pretty much the one like really supporting it. Yeah, yeah. So that's cool. So how you know starting at an early age, you know, watching your brothers, um, what was the racing scene like in Zambia? Like, is it very small? And you know, how many tracks you got there? Like, what are we talking? Um, so when I was growing up, we had I would say. F- four tracks in the whole of Zambia and for a race meeting, I would say max, max 40 people, 35. That's 40. more than I thought. Like I was predicting like a lot less than that. Yeah. I mean, that's when I was growing up. Now it's around 25 to 30. But, I mean, that's, that's from, you know, four years old to 50 years old. That's yeah. I mean, Sometimes when I went back, they would have senior and junior, you know, 50, 65, 85s together. And then one, two, fives, two, fifties, all the old people together, like just back to back. What are the so, tracks like? Are they, are they a very similar motocross track or is it pretty like, pretty um, or? I would say it's more Euro, more Euro style. It's very yeah. long and wide open. Um, we didn't have, we have machines to build, but the back ends of it had like the, you know, the claws and stuff. So yeah, we had 15 people. I was out there during the week with shovels and like, you know, com- like compactors watering it by hand and all that kind of stuff, building tracks. And yeah, actually I built the track uh, in Kitwe uh, in my, in my home, like country in my hometown. Sorry. I built that track for the AMU it's called, which is like the all African championships. Yeah. So just like the destinations for Africa. So I built that track and man, that was, that was the toughest thing I've ever done. That was all shovels, all hose, like all, all the down slopes, all the faces you have to prep yourself with the shovel. Like you're sitting there looking, Oh no, cut that out. Someone's going to crash there. <laughs> that's crazy. So, it was rough, but it was fun. That's, that's, uh, that's really working to be able to go riding. Yeah. That's the, the epitome of <laughs> no dig, no ride. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. No dig, no ride. Exactly. That's, that is awesome. So do you remember your first race? Like, was it on the P-Dub or did you not race still bigger bikes or? Um, no, my, my first race was on a, on a KTM 50. Yeah. So uh, my, my dad bought me a 50. I remember I was so scared of it. I was four years old and I got it the first time and I held it wide open and I didn't really know. I just held it wide open. I just kept going until I crashed and I was like, dude, I'm not riding that thing. It's too fast. Yeah. <laughs> dude, what, what model like KDM 50 was that? Like, do you it must have been an O2. Gee, yeah, they were like light switches yeah. back then too. It was like all yeah. or nothing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I rode that one for about six months. So yeah, my first race, I honestly, I don't remember it actually, no. 
No. Do you remember where it was? Like what track it was or anything like that? Or um, I believe it was my hometown track in Kitwe. It's called yeah. Mindolo. Mindolo Dam is where the track yeah. is. Yeah. Um, yeah. I believe it was there. Yeah. Hard pack soil, that I, one. I, I think I have a photo of it, but I don't remember it. I have a photo of me running off with like a little wooden trophy. Fucking. <laughs> <laughs> that's, so, that's so cool. Is it like, are they like all sort of hard pack tracks or do you have some like sandy stuff over there as well? Or? Rock, rock, rock hard. Yeah. yeah it's uh, so the the one by my house is in a quarry so yeah. it's it's pebble like super pebble stone i mean the only kind of breaking you're doing is engine braking so yeah. <laughs> coming and just sliding what about growing up i know when we were talking last you actually you told me a school to look up and i looked it up on google images and got a pretty cool insight of what it looked like what was school like growing up and then being able to ride motorcycles and was it very traditional school over there or is it a lot different than what you're used to or so I I, can't, I went to a, a private school, but it's not really like a private school. It's an international school called Simba, Simba International School. And yes, I mean, actually got the photo of the line too. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, I, I loved it. My brothers loved it. I mean, we did, we had really intelligent teachers. We have really smart teachers. We went through the British Cambridge system, the IGCSEs. I mean, the schooling part of it was awesome. No one else really rode dirt bike besides me and my brother, so that kind of sucked. I like like sports events. I was always on the soccer team, you know, hockey and all that stuff. But I would always I would always miss it to go racing, you know, yeah. or you know, train on the weekend and stuff like that. So yeah, yeah, it well, was yeah. That's pretty. That's pretty cool. Simba International. School. It's actually got a photo of Simba too. Like, <laughs> it's cool. I looked up and it's the first thing I've seen. So uh, that's, that was pretty cool. That's funny. Um, grade one and finished there. Yeah, that's cool. That's cool. So, you know, to to the racing scene. So, as you're growing up, you know, the the scene's very small, very limited. You, you know, obviously finding success pretty early on racing and I mean, are you racing against your brothers as well? Like being at that small, were you racing against those guys or were you still sort of separate from them? Um, I was pretty separate from my brothers until I was about 12 years old. That's when I started racing them. I jumped on a 250 at like 12 when I was back home. <laughs> yeah. Um <laughs> no, I have a photo of me on a two fifty two stroke at like nine years old. That was crazy. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but uh sorry, where was I? But sorry, I forgot where I was. That's right, right racing, like you found success and then obviously you racing against your brothers at twelve. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. So yeah, I was only about twelve when I started racing with them. So when I was younger I had I had a couple of different kids I would race against. One his name was Monashe. He came over to the States. He, he trained at the Go Farm for a couple months. And the other one was Dima Ferks, who came over me as, with, with me as well to the States. He trained with Tortelli as well. Yeah. But he, uh, he went to, to the British Army, I believe. Okay. So, but like I had them growing up to race against, but it, they came into it a little bit late. So it wasn't. Yeah. you know, the best competition. So I had to leave. So the only really places I got competition was in South Africa. So I did a, probably a total of six, six races in South Africa, six nationals there just to go over there and see my speed and see how it did compared yeah. to those guys. But it was obviously super hard. You know, you have to fly there, to borrow a car, borrow a trailer, buy a, new, buy a bike and store it in another country. So yeah. it was really rough to try to do that. Yeah. Yeah. So then, you know, obviously you, you grow up racing, you realize you've got to go to the US to to make something of this. How does that 
sort of process start? How do you get discovered to even come over? You know, that, how does that begin? So I honestly didn't know much about racing in the U.S. I was a big GP fan. I knew, you know, Cairo, the Everett's, all of them. I was a huge fan of them. They obviously came to South Africa for a couple of events I went to watch. So I was a huge fan of the GP guys. So I didn't really know much about Supercross. The only Supercross I really knew was Gary Semek's videos that I watched growing up. Like, yeah. But uh, so what happened was my my parents wanted to get us a trainer and they found Sebastian Tortelli online with Champ Factory and they hired him. They, all, the, all the parents in our like little moto community, we all got enough money together to fly him out, pay him to train us. So he came out for two weeks and in the middle, I did like some private lessons with him. And in that two weeks, I did, I got so much faster just by having a coach, you know? Yep. So after that, he was like, like, you know, I'm having a three week course in the States in California, you know, you can come out with your dad and check it out. And my dad was like, yep, we're doing it. Let's go. <laughs> well, so we, went out there. we went out to the, to California and he actually had the, he had the KTM rig out there yep. and he had about eight factory bike, not factory, right? Eight bikes there with the factory rig though, but with yep. all the mechanics and stuff. So there was about eight what of us. Um, what tracks? Yeah. We went to Paula, Star West. Um, yeah, we went everywhere. Alsinore, everywhere. There were four days a week, and he took us to gym, and we had the semi there. It was super cool. Yeah. So I did that three weeks stay in the U.S., and then I went home, and it was like unbelievably faster. It was like just by riding good tracks, a, a good bike. You know, like all my bikes are always three years older. If we if we wanted parts, we had to order from BTO. It took like a month to two to get there, you know. And there was four of us kids, so it was really hard to keep on that stuff. So it was having good equipment, good tracks. It was like a life changer. Yeah. So I got really fast in that three weeks. <laughs> yeah, I could imagine. Sebastian Tortelli is an absolute legend too in the sport. Like, yeah, having the opportunity to, to listen to what he had to say and you know, as you said, you picked up a lot and got quick really far. And it's, you know, obviously because he knows what he's talking about as well. So that would, that would have been, you know, for you as a kid, you know, coming from South Africa and Zambia going with Sebastian Tortelli to start. Yeah. And then going to America, you must have, when you come home, yeah, you were faster, but you must have been like, all right, I need to go there now. Like I need yeah. to get to the US. Yeah. So I, I got home and I went back to school. Everything was the same. And, I was riding really fast still and I was like, dude, like, there's no future in Zambia. Like if I sit here, I finish school here, you know, I go up to uni and then that's, that's the end of it. Like if I go up to uni, that's it. It's done. So I was in 12th grade and I was sitting there in my computer class and I know I went on champfactory.com, helped looking at it and I see he had a year round course and I was like, it'd be like a year round school and I was like, hmm. Yeah. He had somewhere to live. I could go stay there. He would be my guardian. So we talked to him a little bit. My parents talked to him and off they sent me to the US. So I came here by myself. I was 15 and a half. So my dad came with me for like a week, dropped me off, got me <laughs> bikes, you know, <laughs> got me some gear, some bikes, made sure I had a place to stay with, with Tortelli. Yeah. And then we left. And then, you know, that was from then on, I was under, under Tortelli's roof and he was my, my dad for a little bit. <laughs> Dude, that must have been like, you know, describe that feeling of like, you know, it's all good while your dad's there. But once your dad leaves and you're, you're basically there by yourself, or you got a pretty good relationship with Tortelli, but still yeah. you're like, I've got no family, no friends, nothing here. Like, it, 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 describe that feeling. 
To be honest, it didn't really hit me that feeling until pretty far into like being here because I was so happy, like yeah. so ecstatic, like just flying in for the first time when I flew into California, like looking, I was like, what? There's more than two lanes on the freeway? Like what? <laughs> what? <laughs> so like, just like, the, I didn't really grasp it. Like, cause I was having so much fun. I was riding tracks. I was having new bikes. I like new gear. Like I wore the same gear for like five years in Zambia and before, and then I would get my brother's old stuff. And then, like, <laughs> like it was, it was so exciting, you know, living in a house and then I had a bunch of foreign kids as well. So I had a bunch of people from like new Caledonia, France, you know, like all those places. And they were living in this house with me. And they're at the same age as me. So it was a lot of fun. Like, Was there any Australians there? Uh, yeah, Tyler McCoy. Him and I were really close. Him, He lived with me for him and I for like three years. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. Right. That would have been, that would have been pretty unique having all the different nationalities yeah. all under one roof. And- like dinner time must be pretty wild. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was fun. It was really fun. Like that's one of the, like probably my favorite moments of my life. Like, the three years living in that house with all those people just training. Yeah. Don't worry about anything else. So when, when come the decision that you were like, okay, I think I'm going to try and learn how to ride supercross. Um, that came around. So I split with Tortelli and I started working with BJ Burns after about three years of working with Tortelli. So I moved in with BJ and, um, he kind of just told me like, you know what? Like you're you're fast enough right now. Let's go race supercross. You know you gotta you gotta start getting like the technique down. You gotta start. You know like these kids in America they've been racing like supercross tracks on eighty fives. Yeah. You gotta start getting the technique down. You gotta start being able to you know put your front end down, pump stuff, learn those turns, like all that. And I I never had any idea about any of that stuff. Like it was crazy. So. He told me that, you know, to get to the next level, you got to start getting this technique down for Supercross and, you know, switch it up a bit. So that's where I first started riding Supercross. Yeah. And, and that first time out on a Supercross track, were you just like, oh, what am I supposed to do here? Especially in California, when you have like people like Barsha on the track and you're like, oh, I'm going to go roll this jump. And, oh, there's Barsha. Oh, me out, please. What was the, what was the first Supercross track you rode? Did you go to one of the, like the compounds around Cali or? Lake Elsinore. Oh, dude. <laughs> that place is sketchy the best time. Yeah. It, it was back when it was, it was sketchy too. Yeah. It was super sketchy. So my buddy, Maddie Milan, I don't know if you guys have heard of him from South yeah. Africa. Him and I, we went out there for our first time with BJ to learn and it was fun until we ended in the whoops. Well, I was about to say most challenging thing to learn. Was it the whoops? Um, the, the whoops, I wouldn't say no, the most challenging for me, I, I kind of like whoops for me. I hate quads into turns. Yeah, I, like a, like a tabletop to two yeah. singles into a turn. Yeah, that's the toughest. Like big timing, big jumps for me was yeah. is the toughest yeah. thing. Like, yeah, no, nah. yeah. you can have you can have that. Yeah, I was not a super cross rider either. Yeah, like that, one, that one round this year where they're coming out the turn. They were, I think it was Houston. They were going triple and yeah. then table over table. Yeah, they're going three like, on three over. Yeah, and four out into the corner. Yeah. 
Not doing that. Yeah, yeah. that's why the nets are there. That's a floor. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, how long did it take from that first ride on Supercross to you actually going, all right, I'm kind of getting the hang of this now. Like, was there a couple rides or it take a bit for you to get that timing and everything? It, it, take? Took, it took me a while, honestly. I, I I didn't get Supercross, like, well at the first, the first couple months. It honestly took me – it probably took me a year because I started riding it and then I tore my ACL. And then I was out for a couple months – and I had about a month and a half of, of real Supercross training before I went to Anaheim 1 for my first race. Did you so I, I kind of messed it up. I should have waited. Yeah. So, you know, kind of regret that, but, you know, it happened. So, so did, whatever. Did you but, qualify that first round you went to? Or? No, I did not qualify the first three rounds I went to. The first three. And then after that, I never I haven't missed one. What was yeah. that like San Diego or something? Um, I believe it was like A3 or something. Yep, yep, first. okay, yep. Well, that wasn't the year that Chad won 450, was it? 14. Might be. Yeah, might be. I think I think it is actually now. I've got a, memory, I've got a bit of a memory of that. Yeah, yeah. that's cool. Were you pretty pumped just to make the night show, though? Was that like, was that an achievement yeah. in itself, just making the night time? Yeah, just making the night show was, you know, obviously good because I didn't make it the first three. You know, I had no... I had no like idea going into Supercross of what I, where I'd be, how fast I would be, how fast everyone else is, how the racing is. I had I had no idea. No, I, I mean I watched it on TV, but I, I didn't know anyone that raced. I hadn't like practiced a bunch with someone that raced. I had about a couple months of, of practice before I went in. So, and sort of like going through the tunnel at Anaheim, that can be kind of breathtaking in itself like walking out there to that many people I've, I've got to experience it standing in the tunnel before you as a rider for the first time going out to that dude i would be scared like proper shaking it, it was just cool it's just cool you know you walk down there and you see all the all the all the pros getting ready for their intro like you're seeing Roxanne down there getting ready and dino and all of them it's it, i think it's just, it was just cool for me yeah i mean the national anthem and the fireworks you feel it you know down there on the on the tunnel you feel it a lot better you know yeah. like it's emotional almost but I, I had a lot of fun i was just enjoying the moment i was really nervous but once again on the start line let me tell you that's different yeah, <laughs> yeah when you line up looking over at all the guys you gotta go on go on right, guys. try not to try not to uh jersey watch that's for sure but um yeah. The, the one part I wanted to get to is going back a little bit is when you moved to the US, like, are you doing amateur nationals and things like that? Like, do you go to little Loretta's and things like that? And how did that? Yeah, I went to, I went to Loretta's. So my first year here, I started in the C class. Um, yeah. And then I went to world minis for my first year here. And I won, I won two titles there. And then I got protested. <laughs> and what was the protest for? <laughs> That because I came from an FIM license or something like that, oh, I couldn't race C class. Yeah. That I had, you know, I raced in another country or whatever. But I, I wasn't, you know, good enough when I first got here. But yep. the yep. first couple of months of being here, I progressed so much that I did progress through the, the C class. So I mean, did you enough. did you ever have to ride Schoolboy? Was that a class back then? Yeah, yeah. Schoolboy two is the one. I two. Okay. Yep. And that's what you. That's probably what you sort of did better in. Is that right? Um, my best class was 450, uh, 450B was my, was my best class. That okay, I raced. Yep. 
Now you race four um, fifties in that because a lot of the guys ride two fifties in the four fifty class. But did you ride a four fifty? Yeah, I, re- I rode a four fifty in the four fifty class. I, I liked my the four fifty back then. It was very smooth and it really suited my my style. The Honda back then, I really liked it. Yeah, uh, it was a little bit easier too. I think the four fifty. Yeah, class. yeah. So you do Loretta's and that leading into then obviously going and making your pro debut in Supercross and. <laughs> You know, yeah. you do do outdoors as well. You do a few outdoors in that first year as well. Yeah, yeah. I did um, the first couple. I did Sacramento and Glen Helen. Yeah. I believe... Actually, no, I believe my first one was Washougal, Washington. Yeah. In I the, went to a random one yeah. the year before. Yeah, the vaults go, yeah, Washougal in... Uh, yeah, six, yeah. 16 and then 17, you do Hangtown, Glen Helen... Yeah. I believe I did one in one year. Yeah, I did Washu. Yeah, yeah. Washu. I, I, I think I was twenty third in that one. I believe. Yeah, we got the results here. We printed out. We did some. We had a little digging for you. Twenty uh, ninth, I think it is. Twenty ninth overall <laughs> in Washu. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Twenty fourth Hangtown the following year. Twenty third at Glen Helen. Twenty eighth. There you go, Thunder Valley, and Red Bud on a four fifty and seventeen as well. 17's not bad. I like that. That sounds better. 17's a great. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds better. Yeah. No, that's that's cool. So, I mean, you're over there, you're racing, you're doing these things. When do you sort of link up with the uh, Nuclear Blast team and and start sort of getting on a a team ride, so to speak? Um, So, they first hit me up, I believe, at Oakland Supercross, um, I believe it was 17. Yeah. The previous rounds I had done not great, but I did well for you know a satellite team. Yeah. And I believe their their two riders got injured. Okay. And they needed someone just to be out there, so they hit me up at before Oakland. They're like, you know, we'll bring you some gear and all that stuff. You still ride your bike. We'll bring you all of our stuff that you know we can bring. Yep. So I said, you know, cool. Sounds awesome. You know, like <laughs> yeah. being able to get that. You know, cool. So. Uh, they came to the race and that race actually, I whole shot at the LCQ. I led the first lap. Yeah. And then McGalrath was right behind me. He passed me. And then I was like three seconds behind him. I think I had a 13 second gap to third and I crashed in the whoops on the last lap. <laughs> oh no. No. LCQ. Uh, where did you, where did you finish? Uh, fifth. No, oh. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's even worse. That's sad. Oh, dude. It was that year the whoops, but they were pretty small, but they were super sharp and close together. Yeah, and should have rolled them. Had a big gap. <laughs> yeah, should have rolled them. But up until that point, like, is your is your dad still funding a lot of your racing over there, or are you yeah. getting support? Yeah. yeah, my dad pretty much funded everything. My dad. It's awesome. <laughs> Dude, that's cra- that's crazy. And that's like, that's a big effort too. Like obviously you're still being yeah. at home in Zambia and then obviously helping you over there in the U S like that's yeah, crazy. All my brothers were going through uni in Australia too. So all three of them went to Oz for, for uni in, you know, Perth. So it was uni fees as well. So it was definitely, my dad is definitely my hero. He worked his ass off. So, so did, did he move to America later on down the track to be with you or is he still over there? Where, whereabouts are your parents? He, he's still, in, they're still in Zambia. They, yeah. they just live, they're about 20 miles out of that same city. I grew up in Kitwe. They they bought a house in the middle of nowhere. They've got some solar. They got their vegetation, their, yeah. um, 
vegetable patch and yep. they're chilling. Living, chilling. living off the grid. Do you often go back over there at all? I know, I know, obviously, with COVID, we can't travel at the moment, but is going home something you like to do? Yeah, I do. I normally go once a year, but yeah. uh, since COVID, I haven't gone. But normally, I go once a year, go and see my mom and dad. And they normally come over here once a year. Normally, around Supercross time, they'll come for the first couple. Yeah. And then, you know, in the off-season, I'll go there. But COVID times... Yeah, crazy. It's crazy. The the only upside to it is us being able to do these sorts of things and interview you guys from from yeah. Australia to to the US makes it so much easier. Um, one thing in obviously looking at your career and that so far is you got to represent South Africa at the Motocross of Nations in mm. eighteen at Red Bud. Just explain that, like representing your country is is the that, the Unreal. It was, it was so much fun, you know, especially the parade, you know, I got a couple photos, you know, just going in the back of the pickup truck with the fans just yelling <laughs> and you know, high five in. Awesome. The, it was the most, most fun I've had. The event was awesome. You know, even though it rained a bunch, yeah, we never made the final. <clears throat> it was still okay. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. How, how did it come about? Are you being on the team and, and, you know, being asked to, to represent South Africa? Like how did that happen? Um, I guess so. It was myself, Caleb Tennant, and Michael Doherty. And I, I believe they chose Caleb and I because we were based in the U.S. We had raced Red Bud already. We had known the track. Yeah. Um, there was a little bit of salt in the wounds of some South Africans when I was chosen because, you know, Zambian kind of, you know. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, I mean, it made sense. I was here. No one else didn't have to try, send someone over and pay for someone and, you yeah. know. I'm fast enough. So for me and coach. Yeah, no, that's cool. I mean, <laughs> dude, I was like looking at it and like, and going through the, the Instagram posts, like you posted, like how cool it was, all of the, you know, all of that stuff. And then look like you had Jeff Emig helping you out as well for that sort of thing. Like, yeah. you know, Fro is, you know, another legend in the sport. You've been lucky oh, enough to yeah, be around some legend in the sport. Yeah, no, especially with being Tortelli, with being with him for the first couple of years, he knew everybody. Like, yeah. you couldn't even walk through Supercross with the guy because, you know, every every five steps, someone's pulling him over to yeah. talk to him. So, like, I met a bunch of people through him. And then also when I moved in with BJ, yep. him and Emmett got best friends, him and Dino, best friends. I got to meet everyone. I got a whole new friend group, you know. So, it was, it was awesome. Thanks to them. You know, yeah. I mean, <laughs> no, that's cool. Like as I said, you get get to pick the knowledge of the brains of some of those you know athletes yeah. in that day that were just you know absolute beasts. So um, you're learning heaps in that first you know five six years of you being in the US. Yeah, yeah I've learned a lot. That's pretty what, insane. What about these days? Who's your who's the riding group that you sort of spend the weeks with? So this this year training, I, I trained pretty much a lot with. Uh, Surratt and Nick Schmidt at, at Alcinar. That was pretty much the only track that was open and reasonable. Yeah. Um, yeah we have Hemet and State Fair, which are, you know, they're a little bit tamer. You know, Alcinar is probably the best one you could get. So out here right now, you know, if you're not on a factory track. Um, so I was, I was riding with Surrey and Nick Schmidt this whole season. Yeah. Um, before that, it's pretty much just whoever's training with BJ and whoever comes out to the track, you know, BJ knows everybody. So I'll just hop in with someone and, you know, changes throughout the years. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, so you're still with BJ at the moment, like, you know, you've continued that relationship through. 
Yeah, so BJ and I are still really close. Um, he's he's pretty much my second dad. You know, him and I are really really close. Um, yeah. Especially, you know, I was I grew up in his house when he had his kids and stuff, so I'm really close to his kids. Yeah. Um, you know, just <laughs> BJ. BJ is just great. You know, like just <laughs> yeah. He's that type of person that you want to have in your corner and yeah. whenever you need it. Yeah. So you got your own place now. Like, where are you? Where are you based in Cali? Um, I'm based in Lake Elson right now. I got my own place with my girlfriend Autumn. Yeah. Um, we're yeah, we're living out here. We've got a great community. Yeah. Um, we have a golf course attached to it, so I'm in love with golf now. I just picked <laughs> up that that tick. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's so much, it's so much fun until you kind of get like nine holes yeah. in and then things start falling apart and <laughs> it's the worst. I usually, I usually just go golf and have a drink. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, the drinks probably start around, around the halfway for me. You know, the first nine get too frustrating and then it has to, it has to come out after that. Yeah. <laughs> no, feeling. No, that's cool. So you're living the, you're living the American dream right now. You know, got yourself based in Cali living it. Yeah, that's yeah. That's cool. We're we're living the dream. I mean, what else? I mean, I don't want to be in Zambia right now, especially with the COVID stuff or South Africa. I wouldn't want to be there now. I mean, living out here, the beaches right here, the mountains are here. There's mountain biking, surfing. There's everything you you can get here. There's all the seasons. Yeah. So why not? Why so not? when you're when you're not riding dirt bike, what's your what's your things? What's your hobbies? Um, right now, golf. It's golf. <laughs> just full golf guy. Golf and and Call of Duty with the boys. <laughs> you're pretty good at Call of Duty. I'll give you that. You're, you're pretty. No, we've been at trying. You know, when you're racking those that that amount of hours, you have to be good. <laughs> you guys have way too much time on your hands. Uh, he comes in and just tells me, and he's like, "Dude, I was playing Call of Duty with da 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 da." And I'm like, "That's pretty rad." But it's they're all good too. Yeah. That's what freaking frustrates me even more. Yeah, he's like, "These guys are good at it." And I'm like, well, "I don't want to play because I'm hopeless." <laughs> we got it from racing. I want to know. You know what? Ferrandis come out the other day and said he plays a lot of Warzone. I want to know how good Ferrandis is on Warzone. Never Find that one out, Bradley. Go, go, go! Do some digging and see how good Ferrandis is. All right, we're gonna have to get in there. Yeah. <laughs> I, I know, I know I AC is freaking ridiculous, but anyway. Yeah, yeah. Adam's been well. He, he's been doing well. He's especially in like the war zone. He's he's really good. Yeah, I mean, well, that's what we we're playing a war zone. Then when it was with you guys, we're playing that that rebirth. I like that. Yeah. You are. Yeah. You, are you actually better, get to come yeah. back to the game. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, while I was on boring, take some naps in that one for sure. Yeah, a lot of a lot of camping. Yeah, right. <laughs> I no idea what's going on right now. Um, no, that's cool. So you know, this season, um, you know, back on the private KDM ride, um, you know, what what's the future look like for for Bradley and Al? Like, where where are you? What do you want to do next year? You got some motocross you want to do at the end of this season as well. Like, what what's the plan yeah. moving forward? So, I mean, this year honestly wasn't great for me racing wise. I mean, the West coast was unbelievably stacked. I did not do as well as I hoped I would have, you know, coming off of all that whole sickness I had, yeah. I, I, I didn't do well. And uh, after, especially after this year, I, you know, you have to look in the mirror and I was like, you know, I'm almost 24. Yeah. Got to start thinking about how I can stay in America. First of all, I have yeah. to be able to find a way to stay here and, earn money with throughout racing, you know, like I can only make money through my, through racing. So I need to find a way to make money and live here. So 
I think I'm, I'm just going to ride for fun right now. Um, try to do the last two races at the end of the year for, for fun. Try to, you know, do the best as I can, get fit and yeah. do it for fun and try to get my green card, you know, mm. and see, see where it goes after that. I would really like to start doing some schooling. Yep. Um, I, I, I don't know the, the, the thing with, with, with motocross is once you, you get past that, you don't know if you want to stay in that world or not stay in it. Cause you look at it realistically with the money in the sport too. It's like how many people are making good money? How many people are supporting, you know, their lives with in just being around motocross or not, you know, like, so that's, that's where I'm at right now. You know, do, do I want to go to school for, you know, become an electrician or do I want to, yeah. go and you know do body science stuff and train kids and you know try to do, do that route so well that's what i'm at right now but i love riding dirt bikes i'm gonna keep riding my bike and whenever there's a race i'll race it you know, that's one of my one of my questions is if if you weren't riding dirt bikes what would you be doing what's what's the what's the plan b for bradley Leonard? That, that's the thing. Since I was four, it's, it was race dirt bikes. So the last couple of months I've been sitting at home here trying to figure out what I want to do. And I definitely would like to go get some more education in the field of sports science and, you know, massage therapy, all that kind of stuff. I really like that aspect of, of, uh, our sport and, you know, the training part. So I would love, I would, ideally I'd like to train people, yeah, yeah. but I don't really want to be a moto trainer. That's the best. Yeah. Yeah. I don't want to go to the track for I think. <laughs> I do love soccer though. So I would, I would ideally work with high-end professional athletes, training them through the mental side, the, you know, the physical side, the eating, all, you know, all aspects, taking blood tests, making sure your numbers are correct, making sure you're eating the right amount, you know, all that stuff. I would like to, I'd like to be a, a mini Alvin Baker for a professional athlete. That's, that would be that would make me happy. That's pretty cool. That's a good goal to have. Yeah, I think it's a really good goal. <laughs> yeah, and uh, and it's good too that you're looking like outside of the sport. Like as you said, a lot of people are like, "I'll just become a trainer in the sport," and I'm like, yeah. you and all the rest of the ex riders thinking the same. Where you're like, "I want to be a trainer because of the sport." but I want to venture out into different yeah. avenues and that like that's smarter thinking because you know, there's a lot more, a lot more money in those other sports, but also a lot more people, a lot more athletes in those other sports that you can go. Yeah, Moto is at the heart for sure. But you know, the, the, the money, I'm, I don't want to sound like a douche, but the money, I mean, it is important. You know you need? Yeah. Oh, well, you got to survive. Yeah, you yeah. got to live. Um, but that's pretty cool. And and as you said, you got uh, you got your girlfriend. She American. Yeah, she's American. Yeah, there's your green card. <laughs> <laughs> she's listening. <laughs> you would have been a pretty. You would have been a pretty big hit with the girls. I got a feeling. <laughs> 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 that is all. Well, that is all. That is all. Hey, um. Brad, some some uh, some funny questions that we like to hit our guests with at the back end of these shows, just to get a bit of an idea of exactly who you are. I mean, as I said, going going through your stories being so unique. Actually, the one thing I want to touch on, Nick, when you said you went through the sickness, what sickness was it, and and you know how how are you feeling now? Um, so I went through mold poisoning. I got I got exposure to black mold in my my old house. There was that shit is not good in, in the yeah. bathroom. And so I developed a really bad case of Epstein-Barr. I had SIBO, 
and candida, which are really bad stomach sicknesses. And, you know, for months I couldn't figure out why I had Epstein-Barr and it wouldn't go away. I'd stop riding, wouldn't go away. Find a new doctor. Oh, you got this other thing. That's why that's not going away until eventually a year later, I found a doctor. His name is Corey King. He works out of Colorado. Yeah. And he actually, he actually works with Frandis. Maybe I could ask him for a number, you know. <laughs> yeah. <There> we go. <laughs> we'll talk about that. But no, that, that stuff's pretty bad. Like that can yeah. pretty much so kill you, I'm I, pretty I sure. Yeah. yeah. And he was like, dude, that sounds like mold poisoning. And he sent me a test and it, I took a urine sample and I had three different types of mold toxins in my body. And I did the test of the house and I had a huge amount of spores in there. And I went through a whole detox. It was like nine months. I didn't get my heart rate up over like one one thirty. I couldn't do anything. I just sat no, in And I, I had juicing, ozone enemas, coffee enemas, taking so many pills, blood tests every it was it was gnarly time, you know, like washing everything in my house. I almost threw out everything in my house because the toxins from mold just yeah. attached to everything. The mycotoxins, they're so thin, they pass through drywall. Like it's so disgusting. Like, uh, kind of, yeah. did you get out of that place? Obviously straight away. Yeah, so right. we, we moved into this house about six months ago. Yeah. Dude, that's um, insane. Five yeah, yeah. Five months ago. Yeah. So we've been trying to get better ever since. And just taking that time off though was really hard to take off. I, I yeah. pretty much didn't race for two years, you know, it was just taking that time off and then trying to go straight back into it was, was, it was rough, but you know. Yeah. So are you, are you like hundred percent healthy now? Like, you know, you still got ongoing effects. Um, I, I think I'm a hundred percent healthy now, but I'm not fit. I haven't been training lately since <laughs> Supercross. but health wise. Yeah. I think, I think I'm healthy. Yeah. Um, I will probably take a blood test this week to see if I've, Epstein bar still because I, I've still had Epstein bar up until you know four months ago. My test is I still have Epstein bar, so it still kind of sucks, but it's almost gone. So that's great. Yeah. But yeah, I'm healthy though. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Epstein bar is I had it as well, and it is horrible. Like it, like yeah. how do you fix it? Rest, and it's like <laughs> how do you rest? Like I don't. I don't that, have that's the too. They, they told me rest. Like cool. So I'm sitting in this house full of mold, resting for a whole year. I'm just sitting <laughs> in it, getting more sick. And I'm like, they're like going through all these protocols. And at the end of the protocol, they're like, you're worse. I don't understand. I'm like, well, <laughs> I did it. Uh, <laughs> that was that would be frustrating to be sitting there. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm doing what you say, and I'm getting worse. Like, yeah. I, couldn't yeah, it was rough. It was rough. And then my girlfriend got sick as well. Like she doesn't train. She doesn't do any, like she doesn't get a heart rate up super gnarly. So how does she have Epstein bar? How does she have that gnarly sickness? Yeah. So once we found that out, you know, yeah. we were able to fix what, everything. She, she's all good now as well. Like she's, she's got yeah, a she better as well. Yeah. But she got the same sickness. She got Epstein bar. She got SIBO, Candida, all these different sicknesses from mold yeah that's yeah. insane that's bad that's yeah well it's good to see that you're I'm gonna go and clean my house yeah you're <laughs> you're healthy yeah, new house mold tested before we moved in so oh, we're all yeah. good yeah no it's good good to see you guys are healthy and and you know you get back into it i said it, it, it two years off too is rough like you lose you know not only the fitness and that, yeah. but that race craft and that ability to go out and, and timing especially for supercross like was your timing a little off when you first come back after all that time yeah off? when i first came back it was it was a little off it took 
it took a lot of time to get back to it because I was so unfit. Like I came back and I probably rode like two days of outdoors and I had to go start riding supercross because there was like three weeks until the start of this year's season that I started riding again after my sickness. So I had like three weeks preparation and I'll go out, do two laps and sit on the side of the track, just like so pumped up and out of breath. I'm like, dude, I I can't, I can't ride. Do two laps, can't do two laps. And then after like a week of every day, just doing like two lap little intervals, I got, you know, slowly better and better. I was still super unfit at the start of the season. I was super unfit. Yeah. But I had to, I, I had no more time. So yeah. yeah. Had to get out and do it. Well, that's good. Good. You're on demand and good to see you. Yeah. You know, getting, getting back to where you want to be. Hey, Brad, favorite track in America, motocross, supercross. What is it? Melville. Ooh, yeah. Good call. Yeah, I've I've never like I've never been. I'm gonna put this on the front foot. <laughs> People that listen to our stuff know I've never been, but I'm a massive fan. But I think Millville to me is the one that I would like to go and like ride, and it just looks like. I want to go on a practice day for sure, and just yeah. it all day be, without the huge ass bumps. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't yeah, get racing. Can actually go fast. <laughs> Yeah, watching yeah, yeah. watching J Mart and A Mart rip it on their um, you know, on the vlog, uh, A Mart's vlog, and it looks just like a road. Yeah. It's so good, I'm like, oh, that'd be cool. But so flowy too. It looks yeah, so yeah. No, nah, it, it's a pretty rad place. I I definitely um favorite foods. What what's the go to food for you? Oof. Dude, I've been on Chick Fil A hard. <laughs> Chick Fil A. Chick-fil-A is my go-to these days. Nothing wrong with that. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> you, you can, uh, Sundays, that's, that's it. Uh, that, may, that may be contributing to the fitness. <laughs> no, 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 no. It's, it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> I was just like, um, favorite music? Oh, I, mean, I listen to UK rap a lot. Oh, is that grime? Is that what it's called? No. UK grime? <laughs> Is it grime? I don't know. I, I just that's what it's called. I've been listening to a little bit like Heady, like Heady One. Have you heard of Heady One before? No. Google Heady One or listen to it and let me know because that's wow. my version of grime. It's just everyone's like, it's like the UK rap. I was like, I thought it was I, sick. I, I just go on Spotify and I type in UK rap. Come yeah. up, shuffle that thing. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I just like it. It just reminds me kind of of home maybe. I don't know. Just... It's not American. It's not American. <laughs> it's not Americanized. American rap kind of got a little bit. I used oh. to like it when it was like Lil Wayne and them, but now it's a little bit different. Oh yeah, a little bit, a little <laughs> bit different. Um, all right, Brad. Who do who do you want to sort of thank for you know helping you out this year and moving into the future? Like, are there some people that you want to you know give a shout out to where you can? Yeah, especially BJ Burns, my my guy BJ. He's been being there, you know, since the start. Um, Hilton Beanie at Parts Unlimited. He helped me out with my, all my gear this year, you know, and, um, everyone at Arai Helmets to help me out. Um, you know, Vista Designs, graphics, just everybody that, you know, everybody that made a post and everybody that commented, everybody that liked the photo, everybody said, good job, you know, thank you very much. I appreciate it. And, you know, this career is being hard, but, you know, we're getting there. And keep going. It's more sweet at the the top end, mate. When you when you get there, that's for sure. So, but uh, you got anything else, Nick? So the final two rounds of outdoors was that right, Bradley? Yeah. All right. Pulpamex fantasy. Do <laughs> do I go with you or not? 
Yeah, for sure. Okay. <laughs> My, my only thing is, uh, is, do I sell my 250 and get a 350 and race the 450 class or do I race my 250? Go 450. 350. Yeah. Go 350 in the 450 class. 450. I feel that. Cheap though. Nah, I think you'll, I reckon you do better on the 450 in the 450 class. That 250 class is just nutty. Just yeah. Weird, weird shit happens, man. Weird shit happens. <laughs> At least that 450 class, Mike, oh yeah. Yeah. But I'm going to back you 100%. If you don't perform, I'm coming. <laughs> if you screw me on fantasy, I'll be ringing. <laughs> no, you can pick me. We'll go. Don't worry. All right. All right, I'll, I'll back you. You'll be my lead pipe. Lead, what is it? Lead, lead pipe lock or something? Yeah. yeah. Lead pipe lock. <laughs> That's right. Lead pipe lock. Final two rounds. Bradley Leah. Done. Done. Yeah. Now. All right, baby. We'll let you go, man. We appreciate you giving us the time uh, today. Uh, to have a chat, break things down. I'm sure there's some stuff we missed, and you know, we we want to, you know, we'd love to sit down and just talk about racing as well. You know, bench racing yeah. about the sport and that. But uh, you know, we we wanted to kind of get to know you a little bit. And as I said, just in researching your story, like every time I looked at something else, I was like, man, that's insane. And then listening to it right now, like it's it's one of those stories that. Hey. I told you. Yeah. I like, told you from the start. I was like, it'll be good. Yeah. He's like, he's like, we're going to get Bradley Leonette on. I'm like, oh, yeah, sweet. Like, you know, and I kind of knew of you. And then he's like, dude, you need to research. And I, when I started digging, I was like, wow. And then, as I said, I hope people um, appreciate this talk and appreciate your story because, as I said, it's, you know, it's tough for Americans in America to make it. And you've come from Zambia, as oh, you said. Places in South yeah. Africa, yeah. No, yeah. I'm, I'm so happy to be here from Zambia. Like, I don't, I don't think there's gonna be a zambian out here for a long time so yeah yeah and as you say there's 40 people total at a race meeting like that's insane you know like where they're having what thousands of people in the u.s at the moment at race meeting uh, dude so, i've seen some photos from buds this morning and it is in, it is intense yeah, like, it's it's just insane. insane yeah just just growing up there there was so much fun that I wouldn't take it back. I mean, I would, I would love to have been born here and been able to race with all these people, but the experience I got growing up was Inside. so awesome. Like, yeah. I mean, driving around Africa in this sprint van with my brothers and my family, you know, just, it was so much fun. Yeah. No, that's awesome. And as I said, hopefully people appreciate it. Hopefully, you know, you can um, get some people reach out, touch base about, you know, getting some, you know, getting some, pointers and some tips on how to actually make it happen but again we appreciate you appreciate you for giving us the time um you know we will love to have you back on another another show uh talk about some race and bench race on some stuff would be awesome awesome yeah i appreciate it guys thank you very much as well nice no, right. no done deal thanks brad cheers buddy cheers guys thank you yeah that I'm a fan of the show. What you guys got going on is awesome. And whoever's listening out there, you better keep freaking watching these guys because they're, they're doing some cool stuff, man. So...